Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. And I want to go ahead and dismiss our kids to Children's Church. If we have any children up to third grade that would like to worship in, in a setting with Miss Terry, uh, we want to invite you to go ahead and meet them in the lobby. We also believe it is a big deal to be in church. Do we not, church family? Give them a good hand. Amen. Amen. I want you to take your Bible this morning, and I want you to join me in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 22. And I want to ask you a question that is kind of humbling to me as a pastor. You ready? Do these kids look more excited to leave my preaching than you do to hear it? Hey, I'm grateful. Amen. I grew up in a church that had children's church. Listen to this. I know it's a sacrifice. Dick and Jerry Davis led children's church for 30 years. That's, that's missing a lot of Sunday morning messages, isn't it? But they were faithful, and God blessed them, and, and, I, and they did it when I was a boy. And uh, I remember that, and Dick is in heaven now. Jerry has popped in here periodically to visit but uh, we praise the Lord for faithful people. Amen? This morning, I want to speak not just about revival, because if you're here and you're a guest, we are in the throes of something that has really been special, and that is seeing God do a work in some young hearts that I believe we've not only been praying about, but also has just given us as adults just a boost of spiritual energy being reminded that uh, God still saves, amen? And he still, he still speaks, and the Holy Spirit, listen, there's, no, there's nobody in here that, that you're, there's no one in here that's such a tough nut that God cannot crack you. You know, I, I love it when guys say, oh, preacher, if I was to come down to your church, ceiling fall in. And I want to respond, well, I'm glad you think so highly of yourself, because it ain't happened and it never will, Amen? Unless there's a hole and there's four faithful friends letting somebody down and Jesus wants to heal as he did in the scripture. But this morning, we're not just talking about revival, but we're also talking about rebranding. My mom's dad was a Pold Hereford stock farm farmer for a long time in a little place called Woodruff, South Carolina. Longview Stock Farm. Once a year, when we would go on vacation to, to see them in South Carolina, I really, I really felt like I was a farmer. You farmers will laugh at this. I thought that all you did farming was sit on the tailgate, ride down the lane, and feed the cows twice a day. That's what I thought it consisted of. I thought, man, I want to be a farmer. And then I realized that my papa was just kind of taking me on a little tour of one of the thousand things farmers have to do every day, and this was the easy thing. But I know one thing, that Longview Stock Farm wanted to make sure their cattle were branded. Branded. You know, when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, your heart was branded with the cross of Calvary, with the love of God. And you could say, well, what would the brand be? Were they nails? No, Jesus took the nails. You and I don't have to. But we're branded with the love of Christ from Calvary. And when you give your life to Christ, the Bible says you become a new creation. A new creation so this morning I want to speak to the theme revival and rebranding Lord have your way 
this morning as we look at this familiar passage. Remind us once again of how much you love us and what we're called to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Matthew 22. It's an interesting passage because we recognize that the Lord Jesus, he also had battles. It's interesting that his battles came from the religious crowd. Do you know anybody who claims to be religious, but somehow they try to make it hard on the things of Jesus? Folks, I want to tell you, revival will shake a church. It will rip us out of our comfort zone. Amen? Uh, it, will, it will move us from point A to point B, and sometimes the Holy Spirit has to drag us because we feel as if it's something that is bad or something that's out of our control, and that's exactly what the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead. It's, it's God in spirit. So when you and I want to confine things, the Holy Spirit of God may be saying, hey, let me open that for you. Let me open that for you. Anybody ever handed you something that they couldn't get open? I've handed Renee a lot of things I couldn't open. Well, the Holy Spirit is what not only changes a life, but changes direction and changes our purpose. We just sang some great old praise songs. I exalt thee. And that's exactly what Jesus addresses in Matthew 22, beginning with verse 34. If you're with me, say amen. Here we go. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Okay, let's stop there and just, just kind of do just a little bit of background. The Pharisees and the Sadducees were the ruling class of the Jews. Most of the time, the Sadducees were looked at more wealthy. The Supreme Court of the day, known as the Sanhedrin, had members from both. The Apostle Paul considered himself a Pharisee, but there was a big difference in some of their belief, and really the belief was in the afterlife. The Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. So it's interesting that Matthew's account says, so when the Pharisees who did believe in the resurrection heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. It's interesting that the chief priest and the high priest were Sadducees. But it's also important to understand what Scripture says regarding the resurrection. Mark your Bible right here, right now. And let's flip to the right. And I want you to go to 1 Corinthians 15 as fast as you can. Go. 1 Corinthians 15. Now, I want by your response an answer. Do we believe that Jesus Christ literally rose from the grave? Amen. We believe that. Do we believe that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is central to our faith as Christians? Amen. Listen to what Paul reminds us of in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 12. If Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead... 
How do some among you say that there's no resurrection of the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. Some translations say futile or in vain. That our faith is in vain if Jesus did not do what he said and what the Bible says that he did. He lives. And because he lives, we can have new life. So go back to Matthew 22. And, and let me remind you, and when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, those who did not believe in the resurrection, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, testing him with a question said, verse 36, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Let's read that out loud together, verse 37. And Jesus said to them, read it, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, and on these two commandments hang all of the law of the prophets. Now, th this is an interesting statement by Jesus. Because he's saying, I'm bringing all the commandments into two groups. And I want you to understand what those two groups are. I imagine this morning, if I were to put you on the spot and call you by name and say, would you stand up and quote the Ten Commandments in order? Most of you are saying, don't call me. But you would know most of the Ten Commandments. Or you would know the majority of them. But it's interesting when you think about Exodus chapter 20 and what Jesus says here in Matthew 22, or Matthew, uh, Matthew 22, verses 34 down, he says, on these two commandments, I, wait a minute, I thought there were 10. What he does is he breaks them into two groups, and they really make sense when you look at it. For instance, when you look back at Exodus chapter 20, he begins the first by saying, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. I believe it's important to know this morning that we serve a jealous God. He's not interested in sharing you with the devil. As a matter of fact, he's not interested in sharing us with the world. He has put us in the world for such a time as this to live, but we have a God who loves us and he wants all of us. Uh, yesterday, Kay and, and Koston's son, Devin, was married right here, and I asked them in the wedding or I made the comment that wedding is not 50-50. Marriage is not 50-50. It's 100 in. If I told Renee, I'm only giving you 50% of my love, she may say, I'm only giving you 50% of the door. See ya. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Married couples, what would you think if your spouse, your fiance was saying, I commit 50% of my life to you? Hey, folks, listen to me. God wants all of us. He wants all of us. And I think what revival has done for me is reminded me that we serve a big God, a powerful God. Thou shalt have no other gods before me, but it doesn't stop there, does it? Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. You know what the problem was? Idol worship. 
creating things and, and worshiping him. You'll say, Brother Greg, this is America. We don't do that. No, we don't do that. First thing we turn on when we get home today? Hmm? Brother Greg, you're going to meddling right now. Hey, folks, listen. We live in a world full of little G-gods. And that's what the Bible's talking about. Be very, very careful of what you set up for worship. Um, yesterday, I had a, a soccer game, and we were just running a few minutes late. Just a few. You know how it is, parents and grandparents. We're dragging our chairs up to the field. And as soon as we get there, Drew said, you missed it. He just scored. I said, what? He goes, he just scored. First. They went down the field, and he scored. And I said, well, let's just act like I was here. <laughs> and, and I cheered him on after the game. And I said, man, what a goal. What, what a goal. Hey, that's not lying. I just said, what a goal. It was some goal. But you know what? Little G-gods can come in the form sometimes of setting our family up. Worship. Or setting up our schedules or our jobs thinking that they're invincible and it's never going to change and only only by the grace of God did you not get a pink slip if you're retired sometime in your life where you could retire but folks listen we're living in a world where we've got to make sure when we exalt thee we see what Jesus is leading here he answers the question You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all of your mind. Those are the first two commandments, but it doesn't stop there. Exodus 20, verse 7 says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Some of you might be here today and you cuss like a sailor and you think you're righteous because you don't use the name of the Lord in vain. Well, that's just you're just blowing your testimony if you think you have to cuss to be somebody. Anybody want to say Amen. You have to talk like the world. If you think you have to, slow down and don't say anything. Step away. But it doesn't stop there. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. These were the Ten Commandments, and these were the first four. What did Jesus say? In these two groups hang all of the commandments. The first group is your relationship with God, those four. But the last six are not about that relationship. They're about your relationship with man that should be changed by your relationship with God. Honor thy father and mother. Do not kill. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not lie. Do not covet. Those are the commandments. And Jesus says, on those two hooks, hang everything. Hang everything. Now, the flesh battles. The flesh battles us. But when we think about what we are, who we are, and what we have to offer God, we are to worship Him with everything, the Bible says. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, and all of your soul, and all of your mind for His glory. Our mission statement... Uh, that had the key words of the ease that we use this passage along with the Great Commission began with we exist to exalt the Savior we called that worship many of you received a magnet when you walked in I want you to get that out and get it in your hand or you can open and, and pull out the insert in your bulletin 
Now, I know what you're thinking. Brother Greg has forgotten the notes. Well, I'm going to teach you this morning a lesson that I hope we'll never forget as we look at a new day in the life of our Christian, our faith and in the life of our church. The first thing that I want you to look at, and you can go ahead and put that first picture up. If you have your magnet in your hand, I simply want you to put the arrow facing up. Okay, turn your, turn your magnet up. Every time you see that symbol, I want you to begin to think something. Love God. Love God. But because according to Jesus, everything begins with loving God with all of our heart. So when we come together to worship, folks, folks, I know what goes through your mind sometimes. I, don't, I didn't like worship because I didn't, I didn't know those songs. I, don't li- I didn't like worship because uh, we, we stood up too long. Uh, I, I didn't like worship today because uh, Brother Greg didn't wear a tie. Hey, I had a, I had a clothing, uh, what do they call it when something happens, like a wardrobe malfunction in the first service. True. When I baptized the third person in the first service today, I felt water running down my sleeves. And when I got out, I was soppy wet. What do I do? Where do I go? And I had a blue shirt hanging on a hanger back there. If you don't like it, it was an emergency change. Hey, listen to me. I know sometimes we come to church and we act like everything is up for a vote whether we like it or not. Let me tell you something that's not up for a vote. Who are we going to worship? It's the Lord God. And when we come together, if you leave here and say, man, I'm sick of hearing about Jesus, we did our job. But if you leave here and say, man, Brother Greg, he, was, he acted like a proud preacher. I didn't like that. God forgive me if that's the case. Or the music was not spirit-led. Or we're just going through the motions. Hey, we can go through the motions anywhere. But here, would we, would we not all say that we're here to lift up a living God who is big enough to create this old world and yet wonderful enough to live in my heart when we invite him in to be our Lord and Savior? You know what I love about justice? Man, she, she's feisty. She said, she, she had asked Christ Jesus into her heart. She just had to get ready for this baptism thing. Kids don't have to know all the answers. Let me tell you some things kids could care less about. Business meetings, committees, but man, we as adults sometimes, that becomes the main thing, and we forget that we are here to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I'm not saying we don't have to do those things, but what I am saying is, let's just kind of be reminded from time to time, man, this isn't a talent show. And, and, and it's not a buffet line of what you like and what you don't like. There is a king of kings. Every time you see that thing pointed up, it's love God. That's where we begin, loving God. And Jesus made it pretty clear. He said when they were asking the question, who was asking the questions? The religious crowd, the church leaders. They were trying to trap him. He knew they knew the law. And he said, listen, those commandments fall into two groups. Two groups. And be reminded, 
When you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, you will love people. I want you to turn, I want you to turn your uh, arrow up. I want you to turn it into a 90-degree corner. Okay? Right there. When you see that, that is the corner. That's us right here, right now. That's the corner of hope. That's 127 and 725 and Liberty Street. And folks, what God has called us, listen, is to love him with all of our hearts, first of all, but he's called us here. And everyone that has been with us for a long time recognized when we were praying about building this building, we prayed about land. God didn't open that door. But he did open property for us right here on the corner. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but in the first service, I said, if you were here back when we, we came into this building, raise your hand. And there were only a few. And I said, I'm glad I've ran off everybody who started with us. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it in this service. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I want to leave emotionally positive. That's where God's called us right here. Here's what we've had to learn. And I had to learn it too, and you all know this. We came from a big church. When we got here, for a while, I thought I was going to make us them. Some of you have come from other churches. And I'm amazed sometimes when people come here from another place that they left, indicating that they no longer wanted to be there, wanting to make us like the church you left. No, that's why we have First Connection. That helps you understand who we are. But here's what I want to tell you. When we recognize who we are and how God's called us to Preble County, Camden, Ohio, it's a special place. It's not perfect. We're not perfect. We know that. But we are, listen to me, Christians, satisfied customers in Jesus Christ. And the good news is we're still works in progress. But when you see that corner, be reminded of something. We're not only to love God, God calls us to love people. And in this passage, he says, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Question, how are you doing in that area? Are you loving people? Or are you loving people that are just like you? Or look just like you or me? Or are you loving people that agree with everything we agree with? Or you do only love people that are of a, a certain political persuasion? Listen, Jesus isn't talking about that. He's talking about something way bigger than that. That when you love me with all of your heart, you will love people. But it doesn't end there. I want you to take your Bible and I want you to flip over to Acts chapter 1. It's interesting that we keep landing in Acts 1. Acts chapter 1. Jesus says to his disciples, But you shall receive power, verse 8, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and to all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Go ahead and mark that. And I want you to flip back to Matthew chapter 28. Okay? Matthew chapter 28. If, you, uh, if, you're, if you're using a Bible in front of you from the church and you don't have a Bible, you feel free to take that home, okay? We, we all need a Bible. Matthew chapter 28. 
verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So he calls us to our Jerusalem. This is where we're at. This is where he's placed us. Jerusalem is home. Now, you all, correct me if I'm wrong, but, but I think there's somewhere around 40,000 in Preble County. I think there's 10 plus in Eaton. Two here in Camden. But I want you to think about the land this county covers and the farms and the rural areas. God called us here, and we committed to being here. What does that mean? That means that when God built this building, we, we decided that our next step would never be to relocate and leave Camden. We would continue to be part of growing by investing, and many of the ways that takes place is through church planting. So we've tried to stay connected to church plants. We have built into our budget uh, $5,000 a year, or 6000 500 a month uh, of partnership in one form or another with church plants. Uh, right now, we're involved with Jeff Bridgeford, Bridgepoint, Trevor's brother, right down the road. He's doing a great job at Somerville Road. Uh, we're, we're involved with Living Faith. That's the newest one. That's the former Houston First Southern Baptist Church where Daryl Cheney pastored a long time. That's a new work. Alan Stinson's a new pastor. He's learning. He needs help. That's why we stepped in with them. And then thirdly, we continue to support Awakening Church in Seattle, Washington, one of the craziest cities in America to live in. Now, listen who pastors there. Jonah Easley and his wife, who were trained in Chinese as international missionaries, and Washington is one of the leading Chinese-populated states in the country. That's where they're at, and you all are part of that. But when we felt like God was calling us here on the corner... We recognize that the footprint would be much bigger as we partnered with other ministries. As a Southern Baptist, we believe that you can do more together than you can by yourself. Now, I'm not saying the Southern Baptist Convention is perfect. The, the convention's taking place in June. Uh, you'll hear stuff on the news. Uh, sometimes it's crazy. But can we not minister more to the world by partnering with other ministries of like mind and like faith than we can by just simply thinking we can do it all here from the corner in Camden. For our guests that are here today that aren't Southern Baptists, you'll say, Billy Greg, what's the difference in the Southern Baptist Church and let's just say a, an independent Baptist church? Doctrinally, I don't think you're going to see any, any difference. Other than the fact that maybe somebody thinks I'm not saved because I'm not preaching out of the King James Version. I preach from the New King James Version. I love the King James Bible. Okay, it's not that. It's mission structure. It's mission structure. Southern Baptists, we cooperate together through something called the Cooperative Program. So when we give our offering, 13% of our offering in this church goes to worldwide missions, international missionaries, North American missionaries. Who determined 13%? We did. 
the church. Southern Baptist churches have local autonomy. We make our own decisions. Nobody comes in and lords over us and tells us what we have to do other than the fact that you better be preaching the Bible. You better be preaching the Bible. Or somebody will be knocking on our door saying, what heresy are you preaching from the pulpit of that church? But folks, listen to me. It's mostly about mission structure. And we believe working together can accomplish more than just doing it by ourselves. That's not, that's not to shed negative light on a church that supports personal missionaries. Amen for that. But what I am telling you is that there are a lot of people who make blanket accusations about Southern Baptists that don't know what they're talking about. We believe the Bible's the word of God and we'll stand on it till Jesus comes. We know we're not perfect and, and your church is not perfect and your pastor's not perfect. We know that. But we, do, we also know one thing. We serve a perfect God who has called us not only to love him, but to love people. To love people. You say, Brother Greg, I love people. Do you love your family? I love this church, Brother Greg, but I can't stand you. That hurts. That really hurts right there. Hey, folks, we'll have disagreements from time to time, but let's never stop loving each other. Amen? Let's never stop loving each other because God calls us to go forward. And here's what I really want you to hear. He calls us to love people, and according to Acts chapter 1, it begins in Jerusalem. So for us, it's Camden. And I recognize our church is multi-county. Recently, a preacher said, you guys are regional. In many ways, we are. So that tells me that there's still a lot of folks in our town that need Jesus. The majority of Camden is at home right now. Maybe one Sunday morning would be the best day to do an outreach event. Hey, Mark Cottle. Thought you were a member down there at First Camden. Oh, I am, Brother Greg. What happened? Oh, Brother Greg, that preacher down there said he didn't like drums. No, what I'm saying is a lot, a lot of our families at home this morning. And, and I know a lot of our church families watching. And I want to thank God for the faithfulness of that and those of you that have been doing that. Amen? And, and use it as a tool for the glory of God. But God doesn't just call us to come and sit on the corner. To sit on the corner. What he calls, take your magnet. He calls us to go forward. He calls us to go forward from where we're at. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, If any man's in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things become new. I want, you to think, I want you to think of the most stupid thing you've ever done in your life. I want you to think of some time when you failed God and you fell into sin. Are you not glad that the cross of Calvary paid for that? Are you not glad that we have a God who, when he forgives us, doesn't dangle sin over in front of us to always remind us of it, but he always reminds us of his love by way of a cross and by way of his shed blood. This represents going forward from the corner, from where we're at. And for many of us, it's from different points. For some of you to go forward, you need to give your life to Christ. You need to be saved. For some, we need to get out of the mentality that, that my worship of giving God everything all comes down to one hour on Sunday morning, and that's it. 
but I need to step outside the church walls. And we've been challenged, have we not? Uh, I've been with two or three folks from church, and man, they're asking folks all over the place if anyone's told them Jesus loves them today, and, and, and that's good. We've been challenged to share our faith, but God's called us to go forward. And, and when you look at, at, at this uh, picture, the blue representing the church, I believe that when you look in between the, the blue and the gray and you see the white, it represents the next step of going forward to our communities. It represents taking the gospel wherever we go for the glory of God. Now, funny thing happened in, in this wedding that we did over the weekend. The VBS team has had a sign-up sheet out there. And the first sheet was taken away, and there's another sheet there that's blank. So one of the guests from the wedding saw that we had to sign up for VBS workers, and it was blank. And he said, hey, Brother Greg, I just want to let you know I signed you up for second and third graders for Bible school this year. I didn't get it. I said, what? He goes, I've signed you up. And see what he saw was nobody was signed up when yet there were but he 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 didn't see it and I started thinking about that Bible school is not easy anybody will say oh yes it is Bible school is not easy but let me tell you in some ways we've made it harder than it has to be okay listen to me Renee, Renee is at home. She was here early. She might be watching. She's part of this leadership team, Kasia, Jordan. I went to Bible school when I got a cup of orange drink and a store-bought vanilla cream cookie. And let me tell you something about that. It was the best orange drink and store-bought cookie I've ever had in my life. Are you, are you guys with me? But there's nothing easy. There's nothing easy, Amber, about staying in the nursery. Nothing easy about those folks in revival staying in the nursery an hour and a half. There's nothing easy about children's church. Hey, there's nothing easy about your Sunday school teacher that you might take for granted that came in your classroom this morning and sat down and teach that faithful lesson one more time. There's nothing easy, Ken, about going to the truck stop. And Dick, if somebody comes, Gary, I don't know. We're going we're to be ready if somebody comes. Ministry's not easy. There's nothing easy about walking in. You guys think Marcia comes in here and plays piano, and that's it. We came in this morning. I did. Turned some lights on. Some lights came on. Some lights didn't. You're thinking, oh, God, do it again this morning. Do it one more time. He is faithful, but we have to recognize something. He didn't call us to ministry because it was easy. He called us to serve him because he's God. And he could drive us to our knees and make us do anything he wanted to, anytime he wants to and sometimes we waltz around like we're doing God a favor he doesn't need any favors from us he wants our whole heart love the Lord your God with all of your heart God changes us look and when he changes us he changes our direction as well he changes the direction we're going Jesus said, by this all men will, you, you, they'll know you're my disciples by your love for one another. The Bible tells us that he came 
and to serve. He gave his life a ransom. He teaches us what it's all about. At that Last Supper, the one who should have been worshipped, he gets up, he tucks the, his uh, gown in, and he bends down, and he takes a towel, and he washes feet. He shows us what it's all about. So I just want you, every time you see this logo, to think three things. Love God, love people, and serve people. Serve people. Do you ever get dirty when you work on anything? I uh, was at my dad's house the other day, popped the mower up, and you know how bottom bottom of mowers look if you don't clean them from time to time? He always cleans it, so I knew he'd ask me, did you, did you blow out the bottom? I knew, I knew he'd ask me. Well, as I began to clean it, I realized I had to use my hands. And I just started pulling that old grass off, wiped my hands off, drove home and they looked at my hands before I left and said make sure you clean that off my, in essence my mom was saying make sure you wash all that green off of your hands you make sure you clean up before you can be presented and the more I thought about that, the more I think about life and faith and Christianity, that some of us still believe that to know God, we have to clean up or we have to quit doing stuff. You can't quit doing enough stuff to be saved. That's why Jesus died. Or maybe you're thinking, I'll, if I can just clean up, then I'll start taking the next step. Then I'll go forward from here. Then I'll do this or I'll do that. If you're waiting for the perfect opportunity to serve God, you're going to miss it. Because he's given us every opportunity to serve him. Love God, love people, serve people. I thank God for the heart that I see in the life of our church. But let's not let up. Because the devil... He will not mess with a church that's not doing anything. And I'm telling you, the devil's been alive and well over the past few days. But so is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen? Let's all stand.